Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 44-year-old from Radville, Saskatchewan, a two-time SJHL champion with the Weyburn Red Wings. His hockey journey took him to Canada, the USA, the Czech Republic, Russia. He is the three-time most penalized hockey player in Russia. One season accumulating 508 penalty minutes in 2007-8 for the Vityaz Chekhov. And he also, what I remember the most of him is playing 37 games for the Washington Capitals in 2003-4. Welcome to the podcast, Darcy Vero. How are you today? Hey, Wally. Thanks for having me, man. Man, it's been since um, uh, about 2006. Yeah, that's a minute, right? <laughs> it's, 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 been, it's been a bit. Yeah, so um, I guess usually what I get into is how we know each other right off the hop here. So um, for a very brief moment, um, we were teammates in Syracuse for the crunch. Um, and one part I remember is... Did you not host um, a team shindig while I was called up to Syracuse? Was there not a rookie party or something went down back when Zenon Kanopka was on the team? <laughs> Big Z. Um, yeah, we, we were, uh, we were, or I was, I guess, one of the, the elder statesmen on the team. So that was part of my role. We, uh, we, we rolled out the carpet to all you young guys. And my wife was always, always gung-ho to, to feed you all and act like the mother and, and take care of you all. And um, I, I think that's probably what you recall. We lived out in Manlius. It was a little bit of a jaunt. It wasn't right downtown Syracuse, if, if you remember that, but nice little community. And uh, we'd play some cards and tell stories, right? Yeah, that's what we do. That's a, exactly. And that's why uh, your name I, I thought of right away is uh, how, uh, how awesome your career was. And, uh, how nice you were to me when I was a fresh rookie right out of uh, Western Michigan. And uh, back then, I, I don't know what it was like for you breaking in, but veterans weren't always that nice to uh, rookies in the HL back then, eh? Well, no, no, they, they weren't. It's, it's funny. I feel like I lived that career where everything completely shifted, where, where a young guy, he – you know, he had to fight and play hard and just hope that the older guys talked to him. And then, and then there was a little shift in the game and it happened around that lockout where, where young guys got more power and, 
And uh, uh, the younger guy in the, the, the dressing room almost seemed like he had advantages that the old crusty guy didn't have. But I was never like the, that old crusty guy. I was lucky enough to play in the American League uh, uh, for four years as a veteran. And it's not because I was the most talented. There, there's no doubt about that, Wally. But um, I, I felt like I could rub off on some of you young guys that were coming in and take care of you and, and uh, just all around be a, be a good teammate. And that was always my role. And I enjoyed the role. My family enjoyed that role. And, and um, yeah, good memories of, of you coming in. I remember you were a little guy with a lot of energy and a lot of jump and um that was back when when big guys were playing and <laughs> only big guys and, and uh, uh you, you handled yourself well and and you had compete and and that's I, I was I was always an undersized guy that played a bigger game and uh I competed and I, I always liked the kids that competed and you were one of them so well thank you yeah no I wasn't there long but uh or played much but I tried to muck it up when I could uh, but when I uh, did some research on you here, uh, and I remember the size of you, <laughs> I just, like, I can't believe all the guys you were fighting because you're not that big. No, no. Um, it's, it's just kind of a style, I guess. Um, being a sash kid, I was always a hard worker, always, always an in-your-face type of guy, but I'd score goals as a kid, junior hockey. Um, I stayed on the farm for probably a little bit longer than most kids that played junior hockey. And, and uh, you know, to, to get noticed back back in the day in a camp, you grabbed somebody and you fought what everybody did. And, and uh, I ended up being okay at it. And it was always that guy, I can remember my GM, Ron Rumble in Weyburn. And he, he uh, a few few years after I'd left the program and I was still playing pro hockey, he was describing a, a player to me that was on his team that current year. And he said, there doesn't look like much there, but every time someone runs into him, the other guy's falling down. He reminds me a lot like you. And I was like, yeah. like good, good to know you thought a lot of me, Ronnie. But, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's when you, even today, you hit somebody hard and somebody's looking for a fight and, um, back then you hit somebody hard and somebody's looking for a fight and, um, I hit people hard. So there was always someone looking for a fight and, uh, and there's a part of you, uh, just being a good teammate too. Um, uh, cause my research team, which is, you know, this is just me having fun in the shed. Um, it like my research team has never worked so hard. I was even on YouTube today and, uh, Man, there was some times like I saw when you were playing for Washington, like there were times where you were starting it, but uh, we'll get into all that. But there are also times where you're just being the teammate, man. Somebody, like you said, somebody got hit hard and you were the first one there. Yeah, well, it, hockey has that way of it, maybe somebody doesn't right tell you what your role is, but you, you, when you're in the dressing room, you you know, you know what your role is and yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a little frustrating listening to everybody talking about fighting now and yeah, they don't want it in the game and I get it. My head's okay. Maybe it's not perfect. Um, but, um, I, I, it let guys like me be around the game and, and I thought we added a value and a entertainment factor and a, a quality to, 
to, to the game that I think maybe it's missing a little bit right now that, uh, that character and, and that, that person that fans can identify with. And, um, but, but yeah, um, playing that way kept me, kept me in skates for a long time. So, um, I, I definitely wish there was more of that still in today's game. I, yeah, no kidding. You know what, for me, not making it probably a lot of it. Well, there's multiple factors, including my body type, <laughs> but, um, the game not being like it is now, uh, did not help, uh, because the HL was a bunch of absolute monsters when I got there, like absolute monsters. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe it. But <clears throat> anyways, we're going to move on or else we'll be here all night, but it is great yeah. to catch up with you. So I want to know where are you now and what are you doing? Because we did have this booked another day, but it was going to rain in Saskatchewan, right? <laughs> yeah, which, you know, where I'm from, it doesn't rain near enough. But um, I, I always kept in touch with the farm when I was playing. Um, I grew up on a farm and uh, always came back for seeding and harvest when I wasn't in the playoffs or, or at a training camp. Um, so, how it many was acres? Maybe not, uh, not big enough. That's why I'm farming, and I also have a I, I have a job off the farm. I work with a little oil company called Allied Energy. Great bunch of guys. I'm sure they'll be watching this uh, at some point. And uh, uh, that's my new hockey team. That's my group of guys that that has to listen to me whine about it not raining at the farm, but. Uh, um, that's where I am. I'm in Southeast Saskatchewan and, and I farm and I, and I work for, uh, an oil company and, uh, my family lives in Regina, which is, uh, well, I think most people out your way should know Regina, but maybe not. It's like two, 250,000 people. And, and, uh, my kids are growing up there and, and, uh, heavily involved in sports before this so how hold on, so hold on. How far away are you from the family? Um, like I, I'm back and forth, but the farm, the farm and the family, it's about an hour commute, which for you city slickers, that's about what? what oh, you think, I'm a, you think you think I'm a city slicker, eh? We really didn't no, get to know yeah, each other very well. I don't really know where you are. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I always lived near the farms. I had never actually lived on a farm, but yeah, my grandparents were farmers and I, I always lived right, right. Like still, I still live right next to all the farms, but I, yeah. So I, I, okay. I know about them. So what are you harvesting and cultivating and what are you doing? Uh, yeah, we're about to seed here. Um, probably in the next couple of days we'll get going. I was spraying the night that, that, uh, we were going to do this um but uh yeah it, it's 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 a long it feels like a long way away from the hockey rink when you're here at times there's no doubt about it but Saskatchewan's pretty pretty deep into hockey and and I got two boys and they're both uh they're both playing my girls were they 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 took the softball route my oldest daughter just got a scholarship to Dartmouth down nice. in the states so so somehow a knuckle dragger like me produced an Ivy leaguer. I'm sure uh, you met my wife and you know that she's, she gets the credit there, but uh, um, yeah, it's going by quick Wally watching kids grow up. Goes so so how, how old are they? How many do you got? Um, well, when, when you were over at the house, our oldest was 
uh, well, she's like, damn, she's 30 now. And we got 30, 18, 16, 12, and seven. Five That's kids, right. buddy. So the yeah. new, all the new ones were not there yet. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so next question is um, minor hockey in Saskatchewan. What's that like? So you said you were living by the farm. Um, so anyways, it's great to hear you're doing well also, because I know it's hard getting out of hockey, man. Like, especially like guys like you and me who are, team guys and uh like you said your new work team is your team um mine's kind of the same thing and now i kind of have to be the coach which is different but um yeah like they're still my team and i'm part of a team which is awesome and you know that's what you miss when you leave right for sure for sure yeah and you you miss you miss uh the things you you don't think you'd miss when you're going through it like those long bus rides in the american league like playing cards on the back of the bus like that those were those were the real good moments you remember the games remember the fights and you remember the pressure of trying to perform in all those moments and trying to climb and climb and climb and um but yeah those those card games and and uh getting to know people like like sitting at a bar with you and talking about where you came from and all that stuff like we did back then like that's the that's the stuff you take for granted um you don't get that every every day and every year every calendar year you're kind of around the same people your kids are playing sports and you know in ball season you see those people at the ball field and then the hockey season starts and you see those people and a bunch of good people too uh just different different connections and um when you watch your kids try to climb the ranks and try to do well, you, you can't even fathom that you ever did it like that you were ever there. And you had to, you, you had all that on top of you that you had to get through to get to some place that you want to, it doesn't seem possible right now when you look at these young kids that, that are going through it. Um, but you know, no different than me. If, if, my kid or his buddy or whoever believes in themselves and puts in the work they're they're gonna figure it out and somebody's got to play there right wally every every like and the other thing to me is i always idolized it too much right like you said i always thought it was unachievable i always thought like i i would never even come close and i always had that mentality until i was like a step away and then when I got to Syracuse and I see like the guys on the team, I'm like, Oh, I've seen like him on TV. And like, then there was Fedorov's brother for a little bit. And I was like, Whoa, like, I can't believe all these guys, but I wasn't like, I wasn't oozing confidence when I got around you guys. Right. And I think kids and people need to have that. They need to believe in themselves deep down. Right. Yeah, there, there's no doubt, and there there was a there was a moment like like I went to I went to what, what was it one two three four five six six NHL training camps, and you know the first one I was just nervous to talk and couldn't believe I was there. Like I'm at a training camp with Mario Lemieux and Lang and like all these guys, and it was just like I, I actually had a really good training camp because I just think I was hovering over the ice the whole time, like on cloud nine. And I just had a ball, like ton of energy and uh, it went really well. And then the second one, it was kind of like, okay, like every time you gave somebody a bad pass, it was like that look. And, and I just didn't feel like I belonged. And, 
And the year I went to Washington, it would have been my fourth NHL training camp. It, something, something had changed in me and I had a really good coach the year before. And, and uh, I just believed in my game and I just realized those guys are dudes just like me. And, and uh, that was a big step for me thinking that I like I felt like I belonged in that league. And I really feel like probably would have played in that league a lot more if a whole bunch of things didn't happen the way they did. And everybody has that story and I'm not going to cry or, or, or talk like that, but, but uh, even the American league, man, like, like you could tell, like, like you just said, you could tell when you walk into a room, there, there's a group of people and these are your leaders and, and uh, you have to be comfortable with them. And, and you gotta, you gotta somehow work your way into their world and have them trust you and, and uh, be part of it, right? All, all while competing for a spot to go up. Like it's, it's a really complex world and, and uh, tough to navigate at times, but everybody just respects the fact that uh, if you're a kid that's going to show up and work your balls off and, and put team first, uh, then, you know, then all the personal success comes after that. Yeah, no, I agree. I, for me, I enjoyed the the European version, like when you're just a team for the year. There's no coming and going. There's no up and down. There's no trade. Well, you didn't play. You didn't play in Russia, man. No. So we're gonna get we're gonna get into all that because <laughs> we are bouncing all around. Because what I wanted to say is, like your story is quite interesting because you did play 37 games for Washington because you didn't play major junior or NCAA what you did was you won two times for the Weyburn Red Wings which I saw your stats when I my my research team was um added hard here before our interview was you like your last year you had like 300 something penalty minutes and like 70 something points and over 20 goals and your team wins the championship like that's a player in any league right if you do all those things yeah yeah and and like, mind you, I, I, I didn't play junior until I was 18. And again, I didn't leave the farm until I was 16. So and when I left the farm, it wasn't for AAA. It was for AA at the next town over in Waver. And uh, That's at 16? No, at, at, at 16, AA. Yeah. And then, and then, um, and then I, I made a junior team. The next town, it was actually the Estevan Bruins, Waverns rival. And I played as a 17 year old, I played like 20 games and then I uh, got sent back down to midget. And then the next year they traded me to Weyburn um, because he didn't think I was good enough. And I ended up winning two championships. It's funny talking about this stuff now, but um, that league was, was tough. Like, you know how you just talked about the American league? Like this was a different type of tough, like those, those donkeys in the American league that couldn't skate and wanted to fight you. Well, they could skate good compared to some of the guys in the SJ that wanted to rip your face off. <laughs> like, like it was a tough league. And I, my first year I had to fight just to kind of make the team, but I didn't really fight after that. Like my, my 20 year old year, I, I, I had close to 80 points and, and, uh, and, and maybe fought four or five times. Like you just didn't have to, my line mate that year was Mark Hardigan was, uh, he was in Syracuse with you. 
when we he were there actually, together. He, like, so- yeah, he actually took just fun fact. He actually took my sister, I sister and I out for a real night out. Well, uh, she came to visit me in Syracuse, which was like the one night was Mark Hardigan took us out on the town and it was funny. Great guy. Uh, I kind of recall. I kind of recall that. Yeah. So two kids from the same team in the SJ were playing and played in the NHL. Like that doesn't happen very often, but there was, there was guys that came out of that league and, and, uh, but then there I got a scholarship to play in Michigan state, which is what everybody's goal in that league is to, is to do is to get a scholarship. And, and um, <laughs> you had my one? three years. Yeah. Yeah. I got a full ride to Michigan state and, and I was, I was there and, and, uh, you know, the NCAA clearing house, uh, well, anyway, I didn't have a science that I was supposed to have to make a long story short. And I was ineligible to play my first year. And so I lost that first year scholarship, which was going to be like 23 grand at the time or whatever, which is nuts. Like my daughter just got an $80,000 a year scholarship. Like that's just the numbers and how long ago that was. Um, but, um, so I had a decision not be around the team, not practice and had a couple buddies that were going down to the Western pro hockey league. And, uh, um, I had a, a Saskatchewan coach in Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma city blazers. He was like, he heard about the thing in Michigan state. Are you going to stay? Are you going to, ah, I don't think I'm going to stay in school. I think I'm just going to come play. So I was, I met my two buddies at the, at the border. And uh, one hockey bag full of clothes, one hockey bag full of uh, of hockey gear, and they were going to drop me off in Oklahoma. And by the time we got to Oklahoma, they had talked me into going down to Lake Charles, Louisiana, and uh, and and playing with them there. They our coach at the time was Dennis Marouk. He uh, they called Dennis. Hey, we got another guy, and he's like, Yeah, bring him. And uh, I called, uh, I called a uh, dog, a uh, Doug Sauter and said, Hey, I'm going to Lake Charles. Well, if you need a job, let me know. And I ended up making that team. And the two guys I went down with one didn't make it one kind of made it, but really didn't. And uh, uh, that's, that's probably the place that changed me. Like that's, that's the place that turned me into uh, more of that fearless in your, like, I always played that hard. I always fought, but that place, like that Whipple was full of frigging crazy, crazy people and high skilled people and better Whipple? players there. Than- Whipple? Whipple. That's the Western the Whipple. Whipple. That's what they call it. Professional hockey league. Yeah, the but Whipple. Not, like, and, not uh, like the East Coast or the always hungry league or whatever. Old, older guys. Older guys. Yeah, older guys that were, were wanting to play in Louisiana and wind it out. And but old skilled guys that you know had they weren't in they weren't in the show because they had drinking problems or drug problems or some everybody had something, right? And and uh our assistant coach at the time, his name was Graham Townsend, great big, great big bugger, um, played the last, I don't know how many years, five, six years with the Houston Arrows, and he was in his early thirties. And, and he's like, it's two hours down the road and he's going to, he's going to get into coaching. So I'm going to go down to Lake Charles and be an assistant player coach. And and he gets there and he's absolutely miserable because he's super professional and, and um, just takes care of his his shit. Yeah. And it's not. And he looks at me after like weekend and he looks at me and he goes, what the fuck are you doing here? And, and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, why are you down here? And, and uh, 
So I told him the story about Michigan State. And he he was blown away. He's like, I cannot believe you blew that. You did this. Like, why didn't you have your great? Like, he just. But anyway, he he totally was got invested in me. And every day while everybody was racing out of the rink and uh, um, going to play golf or do whatever they do, I would be sitting there on the ice with Graham. And he thought I had. He thought I skated well enough. He thought I. He thought I. Uh, played a style of game that people weren't willing to, t- to play, which is basically take punishment. And uh, he just thought I had to work on my skills. So he sat there and he, he, uh, after my first year there, I was going to leave. And he's like, I need one more year with you. And he, he did that. He just worked with me and I had a good, like it was good hockey. It wasn't a joke, like hard, tough, high skilled guys. Well, um, can I, can I, her. Can I say what I had wrote down to ask you about those years was I was like, you had 29 goals in the two seasons, over 500 penalty minutes in two seasons. So like that's got like, you're scoring, you're fighting, you're, you're doing it all every night. Like how many, how many games are, is that a season in the Whipple? I think it was like 69, 70 or something. And it was like San Angelos, uh, uh, Odessa. Like we were all, all over Texas, all over Louisiana, Shreveport, Monroe. Like it was like for a Sask boy to go down to Louisiana and see all these places. It was, it was, it was, it was so much fun. Like our, our first coach there, Dennis Marouk scored 60 in Washington. We were playing in Austin and, we get beat like friggin' five one or something. He's like, yeah, hurry up, everybody on the bus. And the bus pulls up and we're at the bottom of Sixth Street. It's like if, it, if everybody's not at this on this bus at nine in the morning, like you're fine. Like and he was leading the parade. Like it was just uh and but he didn't last. He didn't last very long. Um, he was maybe not quite professional enough. Great guy, awesome guy, but he was having maybe a little too much fun and he my second year there, he actually ended up playing with us, which was, which was crazy. Like he had to be in his fifties and he was still unbelievable. But uh, then we brought in a coach and his Nick, his name was Bob Lokes and his stampede wrestling. You might be a little bit young for stampede wrestling, but his name was uh, little Brutus. He was part of stampede wrestling. And I'll never forget. Your coach he, uh, was from he, your coach was from Stampy Wrestling, and his name was yeah. what? Little Brutus. <laughs> you can look him up, man. Little Brutus. I don't know if he's still coaching. He was a cross-eyed fucking goofy bugger, uh, and he didn't like me. He didn't like me because he came. He was coaching in the WHL, and he knew I was an SJ guy, and he just didn't think I was good enough. So, him and Graham, my assistant coach, who kind of took me under his wing, they would always argue. Bob wanted to trade me. Graham was like, "They're not. If you trade him, I'm gonna." Quit. But that was that kind of stuff. But I'll never forget the guy, like. He did give me a role. Like my role at that level was to play against the other team's top players and there's good players. And it, it kind of became my role um, throughout the rest of my career. Like I always played against the other team's top players because I could skate with them and, and I could, I could, I could check them and I know you know, when, yeah. And then when somebody came knocking, I could fight whoever came knocking too. So that, that kind of became my role, but he told me, he, he said, See those holes in your gloves? Keep your fingernails long. 
when when you get into a scrum, just put your fingers and, and scratch, guys. And I was like, what the hell is this guy telling me? Little Brutus told me to scratch, guys, in hockey. <laughs> um, oh, okay. But, but yeah, so that uh, was that. That was the start of that was the start of it. But you know, I'll give Little Brutus uh, <laughs> some credit. He played me in that role. And I'll give I'll give Towner a ton of credit. Graham Townsend, he was a he uh, he was a great guy. He's still teaching kids how to play hockey, and and I'm sure mentoring their life. He's just that type of guy. He always uh, has great things to say. He's living in Maine with his wife Lorianne. Um, great people, and it, it, I owe him a lot because he he uh, he believed in me. He told me he told me when I was playing in the Whipple that that uh, I'd play in the NHL. And uh, I was like, you're so far away from it because you're the Whipple and you're thinking, am I good enough to play in the coast? And then you're in the coast and you're like, am I good enough to play in the A? And then you're in the A and and then the A is the first time you think you're good enough, right? Like that that call up from the, the coast to the A, that's a big one. And uh, and then you're there with guys that, you know, you're a call away. And, and there's a lot of politics that go into it from there. Who was drafted? And all right. Who so hold on. Hold on. I know all that. Yeah. You know what? I know all that shit. Okay. I want yeah, to know about you because, um, so you go from the Whipple. Okay. The Whipple mm-hmm. and your coach is telling you, you can do it, which for me, like we talked about, I like, I did my 20 games in the A zero points, East coast. I did pretty good. Cause I believed in myself a bit. And then that was that, but you are in the Whipple. You got a coach that believes in you. You're putting in the extra work. So then you go from there, you do go to the East coast, but then you go to the Wilkes, you, you go from the coast, which you said you, you finally make your way up to the HL and you're like, you, I, can I play here? You get 300 plus PIMS for two years straight for Wilkes bear. And like how exhausting is life fighting that much? Like, is it, like <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I really don't know. Uh, yeah. It's, I don't know. You just, you just go to, it's no different than how you're living your life right now. You, you do it a day at a time <laughs> and it's, it's another job in front of you and a fight, a fight comes up. Like it's just, if, 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 if you're going to show up and do your best, my best was I was annoying as fuck to play against. And that usually somebody on the other side is going to be grumpy and not like that. And that's just, that was just me going to work. And that's just, uh, just how it worked. And, and you know, those, those Wilkes-Barre years. So I got to play there for, for their first three years. I was in the coast and I got called up in, in, uh, in February, end of February. And, uh, they had, I think they had 25 games left in that year. And, and those were the best 25 games I've ever played. Like, it's like, it's like you get, people get opportunities and play some games in the American league and, and, and whatever. And, and then they go down to the coast the next year. Like that was my chance to like everything that Graham had told me, everything that I'd been working for. And, and uh, you know, me and my wife, like if I get it, like that was my chance. And, and I, played out of my mind like I had 10 10 points 100 pims in 25 games like I was fighting tough guys I was and and that building that building holds 8,500 people and I never played in it when it wasn't full and 
it was electric and we were kind of like little celebrities around town and it was just like holy shit like what's going on here and so so to answer your question it was never tough to get up and 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 do that and be that role and and put up those those types of numbers and it was just like the people that weren't putting up those numbers just weren't showing up as much as me basically is the way I looked at it. And like, for me, like when you look back in the mirror, like realistically, when I went to Syracuse, that was the, the least I believed in myself and the worst I ever played in hockey. Like it was the worst I've ever played. And I know that because like, I was so scared and I would go out there as Mike Scroy as my line mate and like, yeah. or like, and then like, there was that sugar and like, I'm like, yeah. like, where am I? I just left Western Michigan. I'm like the scorer that like is on the power play every time. Like that's they didn't put you into a position. I never even sniffed a good position, but I also played brutal when I played and I recognize that. But you, when you got there, you that it's all about your first impression and like what you give that first well, time and, and what they see. And you obviously impressed, right? Well, it's nuts. Like my first game, there's a Friday night and place is buzzing. And God, I I'm trying to think uh, we're playing the Philadelphia Phantoms and uh, um, we're, we're down and they score like a, a late third period goal to go down two and, and off the face off, I'm, I'm lined up with, it was either Jesse Bolleris or Lassard, one of those friggin' monk, monk, like they had a killer tough team. And, and I just kind of gave him a nudge and I don't even know if he looked at me, but, but I dropped my gloves and I punched him in the head and I got a two minute penalty and they scored another goal. And I was like, Holy shit. Like now I'm really done. Like took a two minute penalty. The coach is going to hate me. And and uh, the reporters, like there was reporters that actually cared about the game. They come and ask me, yeah, like uh, I feel bad for taking that penalty. And then the next pa- the next day you open up the paper and, and the coach was like, you know, he's excited to be here and uh, his emotions got a hold of him, but I'll take that any day. And it was just like, holy shit. Like I did one of the dumbest things that I could have done and it may have worked out for me. <laughs> and then, and then uh, uh, they sent a couple guys down from the, from the show and I was like I'm really gonna get like I'm I'm gone like here that was a fun weekend type thing and and next thing you know what I'm like a third line center and decent wingers and put into a role where where yeah I just brought energy and um yeah it's funny how that all worked out and, and um that those 25 games kind of carried me for you know I touched the American League for the next eight seasons so that was that was pretty big Okay. Well, um, obviously, yeah, you impressed when you get there, which is the biggest thing. So then I want to know how you get from there to uh, ending up playing 37 games for Washington that season in 03-04. How do you get from Wilkes-Barre to Washington? Well, yeah, we're, we're going to jump. I'll go through. I'll give you the cliff notes real quick. So yeah, because we got to get to Russia, man. We got to still get to Russia. Yeah, I got way more stories from Russia than anywhere. But anyway, um, Wilkes-Barre for two and a half years. My my second year there, we played against St. John Flames in, in uh, the finals. And we lost in six in the Calder Cup finals. Played the next year in Wilkes-Barre. Then 
I became a free agent. They didn't qualify me in Pittsburgh and Calgary signed me. So I ended up in Calgary and went to St. John their farm team. We played Portland, Maine 12 times that year, which was Washington's farm team. And I think we've established what kind of player I was in your face. But that year they had a couple twins, the Ferraro brothers, Metropolitan. Their tough guys were Mel Engelstadt and, and uh, Strohshine, but fought their tough guys, drove their skilled guys nuts, played them 12 times that year, laid a couple hits, were in back-to-back games. I knocked two guys out, like ended their season with so heavy, heavy I, I know exactly how you got there. So you, you pissed them off so much that they're like, we have they to sign, sign me. We have to sign this yeah. guy. So he stops ruining our life. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically awesome. that's how it happened. It was funny. We, we were driving in. We, our, our oldest daughter, Ashlyn was going to school. So uh, we drive in early before anybody gets there and open up the paper and it's in Portland, Maine. And, and it's my picture in the front and, signing public enemy number one will it work out or not <laughs> like it was nuts and then i went to training camp that year and i should have made washington out of the out of the gate like i had that good of a training camp but they kept the first rounder a couple first rounders instead of me and you know all the politics behind that and i went down to to portland and it was it was a it was a really really tough year because uh i didn't really fit in they hated me and uh the coach and, or the and, players no, the, the coach loved me. He took care of me. Uh, he played me. But the players, you know, like I'd, I'd knocked two of those guys out the year before. I had fought their tough guy. And it could have been me and a little bit of insecurity, but I didn't feel like I really fit in that well. And then things were starting to go good. And then I broke my hand on some kid's head. And, and I was out for like a month. And and then everything started to shake out in, in Washington where they were they, – they, they were kind of under succeeding and they were going to make some moves. And, and I was playing at a level where like, I was probably going to be one of those first call-ups because I was sent down day before the season started. And, and um, I got healthy, played one or two games and it was new year's Eve, man. We were in a comedy show and so I'll never forget it. My wife, we were so hungry because I just played a game and uh all they had was chocolate bars and i'm eating dummy and a couple chocolate bars watching this comedy show and i i dropped the trash on the ground and she was like jesus like why would you litter like that is such horrible karma like you'll never get called up doing stuff like that and anyway watch the comedy show we drive to the bar it's new year's eve we walk into the bar no cell phones at the time right and uh walk into the bar and everybody's like hey coach is trying to get a hold of you like like and uh so i grabbed someone's phone and called the coach he's like hey dars uh, you, uh, you have a 7am flight. You play the devils tomorrow. It's like, fuck off. And yeah, that's how that all happened, man. So new year's Eve, 2003, um, I got called up and then I stayed up the rest of the year, which was, which was, you know, I'm not going to lie. I hid in the bathroom stall a few times, hoping they just forget that I was there, but, um, I actually made some noise there. I did. I did pretty well. I, Dude, I, I, I led the NHL in pims in, in after after in, in 2004. I I led the NHL in pims and and uh, kind of created a bit of a role there and uh, killed penalties. I I was me and another guy, me and Mike Greer, led uh, had the most on ice time for penalty kill, and I kind of turning into a little bit of a face off guy in, in your last in your last minute, your own zone face off guy. So I was kind of getting a little bit of a niche there and. Um, things were going well. I actually signed a one-way deal the next year for 
for, well, you know, when you're playing in the minors, all deals are, are two ways. And if you get one way money, it's like, holy. And, um, I lost that year to the lockout man. And, oh, and uh, is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. So, I, so, so just, just for me to put in my two cents here was like, my research team has never worked so hard because when I got into one YouTube video, I watched the next one, but um, like uh, your Washington time, you did not waste a second of that time. Like you, you fought Ty Domi, you fought um, the fridge. What, what's his Fedoric? Uh, you fought like you fought the who's who of everybody. And you were only there for 30 something games. Sorry for burping the mic folks. Um, but like, man, that was incredible. Like you, like you, when you, it was like you said, when you got your call to the AHL, you were there and you were ready. You were a Sask boy that was ready to put in the work and say like, I'm here, let's go. And you did the same thing when you went to Washington, right? Yeah, it was a little different there though. Um, it wasn't easy to find a fight like it was in the American league. Like everybody wants to fight in the American league, like any, any night, any minute you could find a fight. Cause everybody thinks they're going to have, you know, they're knocking on the door in the American and in the NHL, like you, you, you push somebody and they don't, they act like you're not even there. So I, I it's, it actually, I think I was like seven games in before I got my first fight. And, uh, um, it was, Ferguson from from the Oilers and and after the game I was like talking to my wife and I was like what do you think and she's like what do you mean and she's like uh, well my fight she goes we didn't see a fight so it was kind of I went after I went after a guy after the whistle and gave him a cho- uh, like a cross check and Ferguson comes in and we fight and it was while well, it was commercial break. So like nobody even saw my first fight. It was nuts, man. But uh, a couple games later, I picked a fight. I actually picked a fight with Domi and it wasn't much of a fight, man. Like, no, like we I came in it. with haymakers and, and we spun out, but, but that fight opened up the door for me. It's like, it's like he let me in the door and the next night I fought Hordachuk. The next night I fought Fedor. Like it just like, then they lined up after that. But until until almost like Domi accepted me, like you're actually in this league. Like it's like people would just like, no, I'm not fighting you. Like I'm not, I'm not putting anything that I have on the line for some nobody like you. And, and that's the way that that league works a lot. Like you, you don't just get to fight. You have to, you have to be, and, and there's guys that'll give guys like me a fight, but not many. Like it's, it's, you got to make them fight you. Well, and I, I actually, cause my research team was so hot today, um, was I saw you like, <laughs> like picket, like, you, you know, you're, you're tapping his legs, you're slashing him, you're asking him saying like, let's do this. And Domi said like, yeah, all right. Yeah. And that's a big moment, right. In, uh, in what you're doing and that like, and then I, I actually, the research team saw the Hordachuk fight too. So everybody that's watching this, Maybe uh, take a gander at YouTube. I really enjoyed the eight-minute clip from uh, Russia, which we're going to get into because uh, the eight-minute clip in Russia was some of the most exciting hockey I've watched in a long, long time. But we're not there yet. I want to know if you played with Sebastian Charpentier that season. I did. Yeah, yeah. He's a really nice guy. 
um, he was battling some injuries and, and uh, I can remember his first game back. Our coach was so Glenn Hanlon was so excited that, uh, Sharpie was getting to play a game and, 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 you know, like the little speech before he, he was just, come on boys. I can't, God, I wish can't remember exactly where we were. It's frustrating, but anyway, yeah, Sharpie was, 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 uh, well, I'm sure still is just a great guy. He was what, like one he, of those guys. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. No, one of those guys like you, you were, you were talking about like, you know, made you feel comfortable. And one of those guys in the room that uh, if you ever needed to just go and like, feel like you were around somebody to talk, he'd talk to you. Like some of those, some of those egos up there, they're not talking to you. <laughs> like they, it's just the way it works. Right. And, well, he, and he was never like that. It was the same in the AHL for me, right? Like you're all in your different pegging order and you all think you talk to different people where I just talked to anybody. And so would you, but, um, Sharpie, I played with, um, he had been retired for two seasons, um, ended up playing with me in the second league in Germany, came out of retirement after running a bar for a couple of years. And, um, just a great guy, great wife, great kids. And, uh, trying to track him down. He's in France somewhere now, but like he, uh, he was a great dude and I just saw he was on the team. So I thought I'd mention it because uh, I, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed Sharpie and beating Heim Germany. Um, also. So the lockout basically that that sucks. That's brutal. Eh? So you go a full year and then you had a one-way contract, which you, did you get paid it or you don't even get paid it? No, no, no. What, what happened that year is so, so after they realized it wasn't happening or whatever, they signed me to go play in Portland again with their American league team and signed a different contract with, uh, with, with a decent salary. Like I, I, I made good money that year, but, uh, but a two, and then we got that. No, it wasn't a two way. It was just American league because, my other contract like if the if if the nhl would have picked up at any point that year then that that contract would have been like that would have been the contract oh, sorry so on. okay so like, you did play through the lockout you did play through the lockout yeah. okay yeah i i didn't had an awful year and it, it really hurt like when you think about like, I, like that year i was getting ready to you know try to establish myself i felt like i had my pencil name into the lineup there was no guarantees but I, I, I worked my ass off and then uh, in training camp, tore my groin, yeah, not that big of a deal, getting to my first game or maybe it was my second game and broke a rib, uh, not that big of a deal. Then I'm fighting like, uh, who was it? I, Trevor Gillies and, and uh, he's a lefty and like just friggin' horse and pulled my shoulder right out of its socket and rehabbed that. Then I'm fighting Travis Moen heard it again and uh yeah I, I played like 30 some games that year I think didn't have a I might have had a point like it was just awful and and so Washington the year I was up they had decided okay like we're, we traded Jaeger we traded Lang we traded Connor Chuck we traded Greer we traded Nylander we traded everybody like right at the end because they were just they were done so um they were going to rebuild. So that year would have been Ovi's rookie year. And that would have been an opportunity to play on that team. And that's kind of where, where everything changed. Like if that would have been a different organization or a different time, or if that team 
would have stayed good, but they just they made they made an organizational shift where they were where, uh, they were they went young. Yeah, yeah. Me and the old guys, that was it. We were done. And you know how tough it is to get footing into an organization. And um, my next stop was in Columbus, and and they were they were good to me, but I was never looked at as as anything like I played exhibition games and Gerard Gallant was the coach and he's like hey uh hey we're we're playing Nashville tonight you know 2-2 and I'm like yeah I fought him twice the one time I played against him you played in the NHL he said like they didn't they had no idea who I was right and and that's fair enough like they they shouldn't like Uh, can I say can I can I say a story from that training camp because that's when I'm there that's when I'm a prospect. Okay. That's, that's when they realized okay. I was suspect. Um, I think it was your <laughs> second year with, uh, with them. Yeah. Um, with you Columbus. had a very good camp when I was there for, I think, I think they got me to 48 hours. Um, and as soon as 48 <laughs> hours, I was told to leave because I wasn't allowed to the rookie um, tournament either. So I'm assuming they didn't want me there. But I watched you play an exhibition game um, from the stands like I was a player at an NHL training camp. So, ha, Columbus, ha, I got to watch a game <laughs> like I was a player. So suck on that. Um, but yeah. I watched you play a game. You got in a fight. You were agitating. You were all over the place. And Andy Canzanello, which we talked about going over to your place, um, we were watching the game together and then we talked the next day and he's like, man, I think they're going to sign him. Like if he plays like that, they got to give him a chance. And like, you were all over the place that second training camp. eh? Yeah. And, and uh, so that I didn't, I wasn't at the training camp my first year in Columbus. I was out with a shoulder injury from Washington still. I didn't have a job. I signed with, I signed with Syracuse like November when I rehabbed my shoulder and uh, played played 17 games and blew it up again and got operated on again and in that training camp that's when I would have when I would have met you so at that time I'm 30 years old two shoulder surgeries and you know 30 years old you just drafted you had 12 years of draft underneath me it didn't really matter what I was going to do there and I I I, I, I'm not just saying it but I, I felt like I was good enough to play on that team and that type of role and uh, there's no way I was ever going to get that opportunity and um yeah, it's just that's the way the business works right no so. and you know what would you lay out your story for me it all it all makes sense like when they you when a team trades away all those guys and you're at that age because you're in the whipple as they call it um that you know because yeah. that that's adding ages right um or sorry years mm not ages, years. Wow. Well, those years that I was in the Whipple learning, learning how to play this role, I needed to be that age having my first crack in the NHL. And then, and then you're not 30 years old off two shoulder surgeries. Then you're 25 and you're in the prime, right? Everything was just delayed. And I think it's because where I came from, I just, I didn't play good enough hockey at a young enough age and I stayed on the farm too long. And then, you know, the SJ was great, but it was probably not the league that's going to get you ready. And then I, it's just, it's just, you know, one of those things and it is what it is. And it all, it brought me where I was supposed to be and met the people I was supposed to meet. And here I am back on the farm. Exactly. (laughs) That is how it all works out. 
We all do what we're supposed to do. Um, okay. So then after the Syracuse crunch and your uh, time with me, which you would have never forgot until the text message from me or whatever it was. <laughs> um, I'm sure you recalled me every day since then, but because I was such an effective hockey player on the Syracuse crunch, but how do you go from that season um, which I was, I played, uh, I think about 13 games and was a minus six with zero points and one fight. Um, how do you go from the crunch to Russia? How does that opportunity happen? And then we'll get into Russia, but how does that opportunity happen that you go from basically deciding you're not making it to then She's go time. Let's go to um, Russia and let's 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 throw knuckles. Yeah, well, it, it I, I I tried to get I tried to get jobs. Like my wife at the time, her dad had heart, had a heart attack the year before, and we were thinking, okay, she's from Louisiana. It'd be nice to finish this up in Houston and play there for a couple of years. So my agent, he made a few phone calls, and there was some interest, and they've been even. Syracuse, you know, was kind of on the fence and kind of giving me that stuff. And I talked to a couple other agents because you always hear Europe and this and everybody's telling me, yeah, you'll never play in Europe because that's not your style of game. Like nobody wants you there. Like you're done basically. But you call a couple agents and that have feelers here and feelers there. And I was back here and uh, had a cell phone and and this agent calls me and he's like, hey, I'm whoever the hell he was. I don't even know. And uh, how would you feel about uh, playing in Russia? I was like, absolutely. Like, uh, I know those guys make great money. I would think I'd go there for sure. He's like, okay, I might have something for you. Um, and then I'll give this other guy your number. And there was this guy from Latvia that called me and he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, I think I have you a job. And, and I was really like, how he's about, and uh, he's there, but they, they want to see some video of you. Can you make me some clips? And I'm like, really? Like fights, hockey, like a little bit of everything. So I made up a video and I sent it. And and uh, sure enough, they friggin' they signed me, man. And it was a quick turnaround. I left I left at the beginning of July. Like their training camp starts super early. And so from it was, put, it was a, can I have ask a question? Like putting together a mm-hmm. video of yourself. I don't like. I guess if game film you've put together, like, is it like, is it like a good deal from your own little personal video? <laughs> I actually had a buddy down in Louisiana do it and he spliced a bunch of shit up and I didn't even see what he sent to be honest with you. So I, I, I like, you don't really know it when you're going through it, but you kind of, like everything in Russia is not really real. Like I had so many guys when I was there, Hey, I just got offered this deal in this city and I'm there, take it. And, and then two years later, you run into the guy or you're visiting with, Hey, what happened with that deal? And they're like, uh, never happened. Like it's all fake. Like it's, it's crazy. Like nobody really had. So like, I, I just was going along with this, but until I actually sat my ass on the plane, I, wasn't sure it was going to happen and uh um i got there man and i mean i mean some guy grabbed me by the arm and threw me in this van and next thing i know it he the van door opens again and they they push this girl in and she sits by me and he pushes her closer to me and 
and uh, we we start driving and we're going like Mach two down the highways and and there's six lanes and we're in the ditch going friggin 120 miles like it was it's like a rodeo there like an absolute rodeo this was Moscow and uh, and this girl's sitting by me and she's like hi I'm like hi where are we going how are you like they thought she knew how to speak English and she really didn't but that was what they had for a resource she had sold somebody that she speaks English and um they they brought me to the rink and I was like oh, okay nice and then they bring me to this hotel and then uh and and I knew the GM at the time was Alexei Zhamnov but um and and you think okay so this is credible that guy played in the NHL Chicago Blackhawks captain and and uh, and then I, I meet him and the boss and him and this little guy, Detroit Red Wing hat on backwards. They start yelling at each other. They're just going at it and friggin' Russian. And uh, and then finally it just stops, sit down. And this little guy's just looking at me and and uh, my hands are my hands are kind of beat up because they were just always kind of big knuckles and that kind of stuff. Because you and fought a quite a bit. <laughs> Yeah, and then all of a sudden he, he, yeah, he, he looks and he's like, okay, okay, no problem. And we started to drink. And then I was able to talk to Jam. I'm like, what the hell was going on there? And he goes, uh, don't worry about it. I'm like, no, tell me, Jam. Like, what the hell is going on? He goes, uh, he wasn't too happy with how big you are. And, uh, and I could he was see expecting that. Some, yeah, he was expecting some big monster from North America that was going to come here and, you know, I think you're probably going to have to fight one or two times, maybe three times just to keep them happy. And, uh, um, and then he saw your hands and then it calmed him down. He, he was okay with you after that, but he never, he never, he like right at first, he really didn't believe in me and, and uh, like, wasn't sure. And, and he'd come down with numbers or he'd tell the coach to tell me to grab somebody. And it was literally like that, like, here's three numbers, like, and it would be like, they're, they're friggin' six foot four D man that you know, like I don't know, probably has a background in <laughs> in boxing and t- like they, there's a lot of big strong dudes over there. They don't necessarily hockey fight, but uh, it would always be one of those guys, and and it was like a drug to him. Uh, and uh, that's where those five hundred and whatever pims came from. It's so he just loved it. He'd sit up and he'd sit up in that box with all his his cronies and all his mafia friends and get drunk and, and send down a little kid with kind of like that for the love of the game with the baseball. And they'd send down the, the piece of paper with grab this guy. <laughs> really? And, and, and that, that and, yeah, and, and, and then, and then, then you'd you grab get, him. Yeah. You'd grab him, make him fight. And, and then, uh, then you go take your stuff off and you go up to the press box and drink with the boss and his buddies. It was friggin'. It was not so, man. He loved, he liked it so much though, like that he brought another Canadian in, uh, uh, Nathan Perrot, tough guy, former Leaf, tough guy. Then he brought in another one. Then he brought in another one. Then he brought, he just loved it. Loved it. Um, Nathan uh, Parrot, um, he actually lives like right around here somewhere because he works at the uh, nuclear facility down the road, which is why I had moved oh, okay. here. I thought I was going to work there and then I, I worked at Superheat, which I'm a heat treater now. I'm, I run the engineering department for the heat treatment. But anyways, yeah, that's so that's uh, it. All got, yeah, different after hockey there. But um, so he literally just 
would bring down the list and you were like, so my next shift, I'm going out and grabbing a guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd be angry if you didn't. And I just, you know, for me, I'd never made that kind of money and it wasn't huge, but it was good money. And I was going to do whatever it took. And I'm over in Russia and he, he, like how your experience in Syracuse or whatever. And like my experience in Syracuse, like they were fine. They were good to us, like, but not great. Like these guys were great. Like they were like, I was treated so well over there. Like life is different. Life is like, it's, you can't even explain it how different it is. Um, every aspect of it's different, but they, for the most part, they just treated me good. They just, well, he wanted to drink with me and he wanted me to fight people. And Jamnoff, Jamnoff played against, I played against them one game and he's like, I'll never forget it. You gave me a dirty cross check and then you got into a fight and I always kept my eye on you. And I wanted a player that could play the game and also keep the boss happy and fight every once in a while. And that's how, that's how he came up with my name. And, and, uh, and that was from yeah, when he was in Chicago. Playing. Yeah. That's when he was in Chicago. Yeah. And he probably remembers me because the game, I played against them. We played Nashville the night before and two, two friggin' cut me open here. And I had a black eye bigger than it was just black. And, and, uh, yeah, I would have, you'd remember that, right? Like who the fuck is that guy with that huge shiner? And then, and then I gave him a dirty cross check. I do remember that too. So, um, he remembered it and it made me some money and, and had a real, real cool life experience getting to play over there because of that cross check. So, which so, is, which so is he, nuts, right? <laughs> so Zamnov must've reached out to that agent that reached out to you. Um, yeah. And you don't really ever figure out how the things are done over there. Like the original guy that called me, never talked to that guy again. He handed me off to these guys. There's monies that monies that change hands between this party and that party. And, and I'm sure the guy that was my agent for the next, however many years, I'm sure he was just getting greased by who, like, it's so corrupt over there, man. It's, it's, you can't even begin to describe it, but um, yeah, never talked to the original guy again, my North American agent um, who was, I was, he's awesome guy. I was great friends with Jerry Buckley. He was like, like I can find you a job there. And I was just like, Hey, I'm just not going to mess with this. I'm just going to let go where it go, where it takes me. And um, I, I don't think I burnt my bridge with Jerry, but he was like a little bit upset that I didn't go with him. Cause he had a guy he was working with in Russia. But like two years later, I said, are you still working with that guy in Russia? And he's like, no, I haven't talked to him. He stole some money from me. Like, it's just corrupt. Like it's very, very corrupt. And um, like, I, I, I got most of my money out of there, but I didn't get all my money out of there. And it's just uh, Russian tax. And everybody that's played in Russia will know exactly what I'm talking about. So when you say you didn't get all your money over there, because um, we do have more guys that played over there coming on is like, is it your first year? And you don't you. get all of it because you stay on the same team no. for five years. So did they four years? You? Sorry, four years, four years. Yeah, and, and they do the brown paper bag, but they, they also do government stuff where they, they pay you a portion of your salary where it's it's like it, it's reported. And then but the thing that our team got into problems with, like we'd have a coach that would say, go grab this guy and I'd get friggin 10 games. And the boss would always be like, don't worry, I'll pay you, I'll pay you. And then like on my exit, it was 
they owed me some money and I moved on to the next team and, and I was playing for the red army team who our GM was Nimchinov, another guy that played over here forever. And I did this interview and like our guy was a mafia boss. Like he was a legit mafia guy in this interview. They were asking me like, do you know this man? Like, and they show me a picture of him. I'm like, yes. And is he this somehow in this interview, I said something that pissed off the boss and, you know, while I'm still working to get the last, whatever, 60 grand out of them, he's like, uh, yeah, we're not paying you. And I would, I would always call his son. His son was kind of the mediator or always would like, daddy, you owe this guy this money and, and you'd eventually get it. But, uh, yeah, at the end. And then, uh, the, the red army team too, they little things like didn't reverse reimburse me for like when my family flew, flew in and you know that's a, like just little things but all said and done i did really well over there for for six years and pulled a lot of money out of that country and um it was it was good it was a great and my last year i was out in siberia and and uh siberia was awesome the people out there were awesome wow. moscow is is fast man like that's uh that, that's a crazy place um well, here's my question then. You said talking about your family coming over. Were they there for it? Were they there for the for the years over there? <laughs> the first five years, like they would come for, you know, a month or I think one time they put in three months and Nicole would homeschool the kids. Um, my last year out in Siberia, they all came and the girls went to an international school because it was a big oil town and uh, it was good. They had little teachers from Ireland and classmates from everywhere like it was it was a pretty cool experience um but it we we kind of just mixed and matched like there there's all these olympic breaks or world championship breaks so i'd be able to come back for a month or, or not a month a week and the olympic break we went to spain and we went to like you you got out and you did things but there was definitely some some separation from the family and and some some time away from them but uh yeah it, it, it was it was it was it, it's one of those things that that um you couldn't wait to get out of russia when you were there but when you left you, you kind of missed it and you couldn't wait to get back and and you kind of lived in that cycle because their seasons were 10 month seasons they play but they pay you by the month not by the hockey season so you can lose out in february and you still got two months left in your season and they just practice, practice, practice. And in training camps, so it's, it's, it's set up for the Russians and it's their way of life. And it's basically set up like a, a little army. You're an army and you live in a Baza and they cook for you and they feed you and they tell you what to do every minute of the day. And it's, it's nuts. But for me, it was different. Um, how many years did because you do that? Six years. But for me, it was different because of that team I played on. Like, People can have Russian experiences, but that mafia team that I played on, the Chekhov Fitchias, that that was like seeing how the mafia lived and being in those cars and going to their parties and and watching how they lived life, man. It was uh nobody it was else wild. Get, but nobody else gets those experiences in the world. No, and it wasn't uh, it was just us Canadians. All the Canadians that came there got it. The Russians were all a little bit jealous of us and you know, even the, even the bosses, uh, the, we called him the boss, even his like 
hang-ons they they were always looking for something that we did wrong because they wanted to tattle on us and and run us down and have the boss not, but the boss loved us and and uh until he didn't and then he reached a point and he didn't love us and he fired all five of us that were there that year and he brought in five more like it's just uh it became a drug for him but it was really good and I, when I first got there and I was the only Canadian, I was thinking, God, this would be so cool to go through with another Canadian. And then they brought Nathan in and, and then they brought in another guy. And it was, to be honest with you, it was the best when it was just me. It, it was, uh, it was so much fun. Um, he, he, when there was too many of us there, it was, you know, this guy thought that was dumb and now how would they, I don't know. It just turned negative. Yeah. Turned no, yeah. Too many people and, talking. <laughs> It's the yeah, yeah too, too, too many people talking yeah. about what should should be and what shouldn't be, and yeah, you're living in those yeah. situations. Sometimes you just gotta embrace it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Fun fact, um, like I got to play with some like right now superstars. Well, that's um, what so I got funny. here. I got that on the yeah. notes. Did you see that picture before you connected? Because I got no. Um, I sent you my notes. I got that you played with Panarin, Kucherov, Alexi Yashin, um, and Yager. Like you played with all those people. Well, not Yags, but like I played with Yags in Washington, but not there. Played against them. Like he was there for three years in Omsk. But uh, yeah, like there's a, there's a rule in that league. I don't know if it's still the same, but when I was there, you had to have two young kids on your team. So my checkoff year, it was, it was Panarin. Like he was my line mate, man. Like, and he was so, so tiny and you could tell he was skilled, but there, he would have been probably 16, 17 and 18. Cause I remember the third year we were there and it was like, I wasn't playing with him. And I was like, where's, freaking where's where's Panarin and and uh we go and watch the world junior game and he sniped three against Canada in the gold medal game I'm like oh there he is like I had no idea like it was just like one of those things that's lost in translation <laughs> nobody nobody told um, you your limeate wasn't there I get it yeah. yeah yeah and uh and everything changed for him after that when he came back he was celebrated so much and then we were one of the poorer teams in the league. And then at that trade deadline, they traded him to one of the richer teams. And um, that was kind of the end of seeing him, but, but yeah, they used to call him my little brother, man. Cause we both kind of had the puffy hair and a little bit, I used to be younger looking and, and uh, like <laughs> he played on same. my line. You look the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then the, Seska team I really didn't have a role on that team and it was a mismatch but that's where I played with Cooch and that kid like I could you could tell then like how unbelievable he was where I wouldn't have said the same thing about Panarin uh, but Cooch was like you're on the ice with him and you go to the net and and it's in the net or it's on your stick and you don't have like it's just he's just unreal and that's where we I played with Yash too and Yash was he was done and he came and and uh, him and his wife, um, supermodel wife, like they they actually hung out with me and my wife quite a bit. Super nice guy. Could tell he had been in North America a lot, like like wanted to visit and, you know, go out to eat. And um, yeah, all class, super, super good, super good guy. He gets a bad name and 
in Ottawa for everything that happened there. But uh, I think misunderstood in that whole scenario and everything that went down there. But uh, uh, yeah, treated me really well, lots of respect. And that was a tough year for me. I didn't really get to play, never found a role. And, and uh, he always had a, a, a kind word to say and a keep your head up and that kind of, that kind of attitude, which it's good because that was kind of always my job. And it was good to get that back from a, from an older guy and, and, uh, and yeah, so he, he was great. And, and then, uh, yeah, after that, um, my last year was out in, in Siberia and that was actually in the VHL, which is basically like the AHL in, um, in, uh, in North America, but it's, it's different. Like the top, the top three or four teams in the VHL, would probably be about the 10th or 11th best team in the KHL. Um, uh, like the KHL. When I was there, it was like 27. And there's seven or eight good that have tons of money, like, you know, 80, 90, 80, 90 million payroll a year. And then the rest of them are just basically a farm team. And then it comes to that, that, that roster freeze. And then all those young, all this, these, the bottom 12 teams or whatever it is, they just trade their best players to those top eight teams and they just stack their teams and go at it. Um, where the VHL was a little more secure and uh, those top three or four teams in that league, the money was as good as it was probably in the bottom 20 teams in, uh, in uh, the KHL. Just those teams are all, it's all a political game. Like there's a team here because that guy's friends with this guy and there's a team there it's just it's uh it's tough to wrap your mind around but but it's it's really a a a political game on who has a team and what city and who doesn't um so my vhl the hockey was uh you you maybe don't get the the guys that played forever in the nhl or or whatever but it was still really good hockey and and uh it was it was a lot of fun in 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 uh It was the name of the city, Tumen, Siberia. It was it was a cool spot. Um, yeah, like I I saw at the VHL. It's yeah, like it's kind of like the second league in Germany where I went. Right, like it's not the DL, it's the second league. But um, at least you get, we're still getting paid. The second league in Germany wasn't so good. Okay, um, I got a question for you. Um, I was sure. in Germany. I think that I think this is when you had about all of the fighters on your team. I was in Germany and I saw you on CNN, like started like a line brawl started. And I was like, it was like right (laughs) after, right after I had played with you, there was a line brawl that was literally like global. And I was like, I know him. Right. Like that was you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. It even made uh, I think, grapes even gave us a thumbs up and uh on hockey night in canada he was see something like canadian boys doing their job over in russia but it's a long story i i feel like i'm going on forever but that was the yammer jaegers team and the reason it went it was so big was because i smacked jaeger but it's it's a lot more to it than that uh like he's one of those big money teams like i'm talking about and we're like a low money team and we've got a mafia boss right and uh they're in our barn so i'm backtracking a little bit they're in our barn and my mafia boss has all his all all like his whole press box is full of just friggin those type of people and the and 
there's a lot of juice in the arena that night and things are excited and, and uh, uh, we're having a great game. And uh, a kid collapsed on the bench. Chair Ponoff was his name, 19th, maybe 18th overall pick to the Rangers. One of those young kids like a Panarin or a Kucherov. So just 17, 18 years old, he collapses on the bench. And there's a commotion over there and you see, see them usher him off and, and we continue to play it. We ended up beating the Eggers team. Like everybody was ecstatic. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and uh, then word came to the room that the kid died. Um, like, and the arena didn't have a defibrillator that worked. The ambulance driver had already left. Like it was a complete gong show. They threw him in the back of a lot. I got him to the hospital too late. Later they found out it was a heart, heart, uh, like something was wrong with his heart, but he probably shouldn't have died. Like they should have been able to save him if we would have had everything in place. Well, their owner, big money guy, he friggin' goes on a rant about our guy, mafia guy. And, um, typical Russian standard or fashion. The next, the next game, we have five fire trucks, 10 ambulances. Like, you know, they don't fix anything until it's broken. So that was his way, but, but his feelings were really hurt. So the next time we played Jaeger's team, like, you know how I told you I'd get the numbers in my stall. Every single player had numbers in his stall, every single player. And cause our boss was so mad and, course my number was 68 i'm like really like you want me to grab the armor jagger like give me a break and and like he was like people aren't gonna get paid you're gonna get fired like he was just living he wanted them beat up well warm up he owns all these boxers all these um or mma guys and he's got loops on the big screen just of guys getting knocked out and like there was that again that electricity in the air we're doing our opening laps and uh, their goalie kind of come over the red line and I clipped him and he takes a header and their, their big guy, one of their big guys, Fitoff, who's actually a first rounder to maybe Tampa. Anyway, I'd fought him a couple of times before. It's a big monster. He meets me and we end up frigging going at it. It was like the longest fight ever. Jersey's off. And this is a, this warm up. And our other, Sugden who was there at this time now, he takes his jersey off and he just skates around and starts suckering guys. Like it was, it was crazy. And then like, nobody knew what the hell was going on. And we finally just stopped fighting and, and went to the room and I was exhausted. And like, they didn't kick us out, no penalties, nothing. Like they didn't see anything like that ever happening before. Right. <laughs> um, and then, and then the game starts and four minutes in, uh, Sugar was supposed to fight Svitov, so they started fighting it. And there was guys were just mulling around like a street fight. And sure enough, there was Yags, and I popped them. And uh, he sprung up, and he put me in a headlock, and we danced around the ice, and nothing really ended up happening. Um, he was so mad, so bitter about it. But but uh, so we all got thrown out. The next five go on. They get thrown out. The next five going on. They got thrown out. It was the game lasted four minutes and some seconds and it got called. There was nobody left to play. So, and that made, that was on CBC, our, C, our CNN, BBC. It was everywhere, man. It was big. It blew up. And we had, we had a police investigation, like Jamnoff's like, Hey guys, like don't come to the rink today. And they'd send cars over like, and there'd be people pay, taking pictures and, and like, it was, it was crazy deal, crazy deal. And our owner absolutely loved it, loved it, loved every second of it. 
and uh, uh, yeah, we all got a couple games suspension, and 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 uh, yeah, we moved on. And you but yeah, on. It, it was yeah, but the, it, it really brought like every time they made us fight after that, it was like my last suspension there was like eighteen games. It was ridiculous, and that's where I started getting screwed over on some money. Is right. They just they're they asking just, you they, to do the fighting. They're asking you to do it, and then you're not getting paid for it. Well, our last coach there was that uh, that Russian bear Nazarov. So that's the guy who just came out in the press and and accused and and remember all the speculation of Panarin uh, having these abuse cases in Russia or whatever. That would have been the team I was on. The the friggin' Nazarov and Nazarov. He's in there with Putin. And, and that whole, that whole group, like, like, so Fatisov is like Putin's best friend. He was the GM president of the Seska team. The Tsarov is just part of that whole little group. So uh, Panarin has all these things to say about all these things to say about Russian government and everything that's going on there. And next thing you know it, I'm sure his friggin' family is being threatened and, and the Tsarov comes up with these allegations and Panarin's gone for three weeks. Like, there's no doubt he had to go get his fucking family out of Russia, man. And uh, um, so, so yeah, that, that Nazarov, he would send us out to fight and it's just like, and he spoke good English and we're like, man, we are going to get thrown out of the league. And boss says, if you don't do it, he'll get somebody that will. And it was just that plain and simple. And, so uh, back when it and, was just yourself getting the 500 penalty minutes, and like it was so much better they, then yeah. he loved you and you were the guy and then it just got him too into it he had to get more guys and it just had to snowball and then he, he kind of had a yeah and he kind of had us all turned against each other this guy's number one that guy's number one and then and then we brought a guy in that had a lot of nhl and then he didn't want oh it was it was just it was it was dysfunctional at its highest level after that and that was my fourth year there. Uh, leading up to that, there was the first year was the best. The second year was, and then it just slowly kind of um, got worse. So yeah, wow. But 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 saying all that, it was it it, it was still a heck of a ride. It's uh, it, it it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Um. Well, here's my question for you. How bad did mm-hmm. you have to get to work when you got back to Canadian soil? Because like, there's some guys I play with, like they're like, as soon as they get back after 10 years of like slumming it out in these minors, like you would have been okay though. Cause like that mafia boss would have been good to you. Right. Like you would have been okay for a little bit. Oh, you mean like, like, like you, have, you yeah. like like they got they gave you some good money for what you had to do over there. Oh yeah, but you're raising a family, Wally. You know that as well as I do. It it's not like there was, it's not like I had I, my hand out, but I was I, I I no different. I needed to find work, and I had the farm right. So, um, and you had I bought into the there right, and they would just come over for a brief time. Yeah, here and there. Like, you know, at the last year we all came up, they all came together, but the mafia times, they'd, they'd come for a month or two months and 
And then uh, it, it, it's tough. It's tough. Like living over there is tough. And uh, I, I'm not going to say like living in Saskatchewan is not the easiest either. Like we're kind of in the middle of nowhere here too, right? Like all you Eastern people, I know what you guys think of Saskatchewan. I've heard enough stories, but, oh, but yeah, it's, yeah. Um, but it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's uh, like the one year I can, I, I think it was the second or third year. And I think it was like <clears throat> Nicole came over probably November. So we, we had a house and nice house and we, I'd go to practice and I'd come back and we'd walk and we'd go for drives and, but there just was nothing to do and people don't speak English and, and like January 10th come and, and she was like, I think I need to go. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Like, because we were at the point where we had been through a couple of years of, you know, month or two without seeing each other and we're just going to come and spend the rest of the season. Okay. It was nice in theory, but go live life and I can, I can do this, you know, and, and uh, um, that's kind of just how we did it. And the next year we were in, in Moscow and there was a lot more to do there, but again, still really challenging to get around, like really challenging. And um, so you had a full, little kid, you had, you had little kids, you probably had a translator and they got to take you everywhere. Right. Um, we really didn't have like, my first year, no, I didn't have a translator. Second year, like once he started bringing more Canadians in, he started getting somebody around to, <clears throat> to kind of translate for us. But, um, and when I, and then when I went to Moscow, my fifth year, no, there was no translator. We got a driver, but you had to book your driver the day before. And you, if you wanted to go a mile, sometimes it would take you five hours. So we got rid of him and we just drove the Metro around everywhere. Um, which is super pretty, so much to see. Yeah, Wally, the whole Russian thing was a was a pretty good deal. And I would suggest to anybody, if you got the money and the time, go and friggin' check out Moscow, St. Pete's. It's beautiful. It's awesome. Um, yeah, no, I never made it over there. And I can't imagine how nice it is because I heard it is. But <coughs> it's a different world. I've heard from different people that have played over there. It's a, it is a different world than we live in, right? My experience with Seska, the Red Army team, and two men would probably be a lot like whoever you interview that's going over to Russia. Like, there'd be guys that, that would come over from North America and have panic attacks and have to leave. Like, it's it's really overwhelming. And uh, uh, Joe Moscow, he played with us in, uh, yeah. in Syracuse. Like, great hockey player. Came over and it was just like, no, I can't do this. And, and tapped out. And um, Hardigan played over there too. His name comes up again, but he played in Riga, which is a lot different than Russia and really pretty city, Riga, Latvia. Um, he actually broke his foot. You should give him a call. He'd probably love to do a podcast with you. Who did? Hardy. Hardy did. did he? I saw him on Facebook. Really? Yeah. I would, yeah. uh, yeah, I don't know how to, reach out to him but uh he uh took my sister and i out like i said earlier uh for one of our best nights in uh <clears throat> at syracuse um we were yeah for a guy that played a shift or two that night i probably didn't uh work hard enough after yeah <laughs> so you still see him is he still around 
Uh, no, not really. He's, uh, he's in St. Albert, but, um, yeah, you kind of wonder where everybody that you played with, this is good for that kind of stuff. Wally reconnect people. Well, that's what I'm doing, man. Like that, that this is just the start of the Syracuse guys. This you're the first one. You're the first one I reached cool. out to because you were other than Kansi, um, which uh, he, he went to Straubing for like a decade after. Um, but you went to Russia and lived uh, just a wild life. And I, man, you were nice to me. You were one of the best guys on the team to me for a young rookie out of college. And maybe that's because we both live near farmer's fields and uh, you're actually farm with them. And I just, I just like looking at them and walking the dog. <laughs> Sounds like you're doing bigger and better things, buddy. That's good to hear. No, no, I'm not. It's, it's, it's not, it's, uh, we're all good. It's, it, it, it worked out, I guess, but no, I, I got some more schooling there at the end. So I'm a bit educated now. Okay. But, uh, dude, I, uh, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on like, man, uh, this yeah, is, uh, well, it's kind of all over the place and all that stuff, but uh, I appreciate you thinking about me and, and I'm glad you're calling it quits. My throat's sore. I haven't talked this much in friggin' years. I don't think. Oh, <laughs> oh dude. You, you know what? You got so much to say. And the thing is, is like, we all come back to normal life and uh, like, I didn't, I didn't uh, get to meet the mafia Bob bosses and see all that, but like, I got to live a pretty interesting life. And like, we all come back to, like you said, like living yeah. in Saskatchewan, living in Ontario, and we're just back to normal life. And then you got COVID happening and it's like, well, like we're used yeah. to, we're, we're used to doing stuff. We're used to going, we're used to being movers and shakers. And yeah, I've just, uh, well, for me, it was, it was chasing kids around and really, really enjoying that. Yeah. We don't, uh, we don't get that right now. It's awful. There's nowhere to go, right? Like there's no hockey to go to. Like uh, I, I, uh, my kids not even playing hockey. So yeah, it's uh it's a tough time for everybody, but man, it was great to catch up with you. Like this has been awesome. And uh, you're all grown up and I'm all grown up. And uh, well, you yeah. were all grown up when I met you, but Man, this was awesome. I got a pee, so I'm going to shut it I appreciate it you. All right, I appreciate it, Wally. Let's keep in touch, all right? Okay, man. Thank you. All right. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm. And that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive me. I'm like Scott, I'm a gold band. I'm like Pete, Southdown, Van Van. I'm always speaking my mind, man. I better run past my tongue. I'm a bad joke. I'm not for